Hi there and welcome along to the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the totally free and independent Rangers show made by fans for fans where all of our content is absolutely free and alongside the free podcast here at Jersnet we have a whole host of really great content so if you head over to our website at www.jersnet.co.uk you can get involved in our very very friendly discussion forum, plenty of articles, match previews and reviews, a really informative history archive so please do head over to the website and check that out if you've not done so already. Uh, if, if you're new to the pod thank you for, for joining us, thank you for giving us the time. We go out live every Sunday night. It's just gone 9.30pm on Sunday the 6th of March 2022. Uh, we're live every Sunday as I say on, on the Jersnet YouTube stream uh, but the show is always available for download first thing on a Monday morning so please do like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from and, and maybe give us a wee share on social media. We are available on Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher and on Spotify. So like I say please do give us a wee subscribe and you will never miss a thing. Uh, we're here to talk today uh, looking back on yesterday's uh, let's say difficult and maybe uninspiring and unentertaining performance uh, at home against Ibrox, uh, at home against Aberdeen to, to sort of usher in the 150th anniversary celebrations. Um, and there's no two better people that I can think than to celebrate a wee bit of a birthday than uh, two of the sort of original stalwarts of the pod. Uh, first of all, a, a warm, warm welcome back to David Fraser. David, we were just saying that the last time the three of us were on together, we were managerless and, and looking ahead to a new era. Um, obviously things have, have changed a wee bit, but how have you been keeping in the past couple of months? Uh, no, it's okay, Ross. I keep reasonably well. Um, I was you know, not too clever at half four yesterday afternoon, I was saying yeah. off there, but thankfully the, the players got over the line and got the three points. So I guess um, that's the most important way to kick off the 150th anniversary celebrations. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And after a couple of uninspiring performances this week, uh, we need some inspiration back in our lives. Um, I always find Alec Anderson very, very inspirational. Um, Alec, how's your how's your weekend been? If we didn't know you were hungover already, Ross, <laughs> calling me inspirational seals the deal. <laughs> I, mean, I think the first thing I think the first thing I'm going to say is, is this is two weekends in the trot, is it not? That you've been on here or a hungover state. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> we're up, up at Ibrooks last week, hungover, and it. I yeah. think I think you've yeah. got a problem here, mate. I think you've got a problem. I know this is this podcast the entire thing's a cry for help. Yeah, I've been on a I've been on a stag do down in Portsmouth all weekend. I was saying to to David and Alec just before we came live there that um I missed the game yesterday because I was at Fratton Park, um, which was very enjoyable, very entertaining. Never been there before. Um, but it meant that I missed the game at three o'clock yesterday. So I watched it on watched the whole thing, the whole 90 minutes on Rangers TV this morning on a National Express bus back to London. Um, and I think if there's any way to make yesterday's first half performance even worse it's enjoying it at the back of a national express bus at nine nine o'clock in the morning having not really slept feeling not great probably feeling as, as good as you look Eck, i suppose oh i don't know about that i mean that's don't be, be hard on yourself like that no uh, well, at least you're, listen it's a, a team that plays in uh, red white and blue and i've got a, a nice archibald leach main stand so do. yeah if you can if you can't be with the rangers themselves get us get the next best thing so that's well done can i just say before i go on i, I, I meant to do this last time i need to get a big big shout out to the the near chosen few uh rsc uh, and their main man representing them Stu. Um, Twitter hero he goes with the Twitter handle of three minute hero a lot of you will have uh, seen his tweet uh, during the week succinctly summing up why we shouldn't go to uh, Australia with a certain club uh, for a friendly tournament but um, he's a he's a big fan of the show um, and I just want to say a happy 150th to him uh, to the near chosen few and, and uh, all the other bears out there and it's, it's great to be on with David again 
absolutely it is absolutely i should i should also just say we're um sort of viewers on on the youtube stream might notice we're kind of without the fancy graphics tonight we're without the um the high spec production that we've we've come to expect in the last couple of years frankie's had a couple of other things that he needs to attend to so um you're with me tonight steering the ship and i'm uh, quite frankly not in the right frame of mind to prepare all of the graphics and the imagery so we're going bare bones you've got cameras on so you can at least look at us but uh yeah no fancy graphics or theme tunes for the for the live stream tonight so sorry about that but as always please do give us your your thoughts your comments your questions whatever it might be on the youtube stream here um i'm going to be patrolling that and uh yeah usually we'd have frankie there maybe responding to some of the stuff in the chat but i'll uh i'll do my best to um uh, to, to keep on top of all of that as well and, and, and bring some of that stuff in. Um, like I say, we're, we're going to talk about yesterday's um, difficult and uninspiring performance at Ibrox against Aberdeen. David, the, the, the first place to start, I suppose, is to acknowledge that we found Aberdeen to be a, a, a tricky opponent this season so far, having dropped points in the in the first two games. And um, for what was it, 82 minutes yesterday, it looked like we might drop points again yesterday um, for, for the third time in a row against Aberdeen this season. Um, it was a tough, scrappy affair. Um, why is it that we're that we're struggling so much against a team that I think we started the day in tenth yesterday and have uh, a couple of Rangers outcasts and and, and castoffs at the at the back? Why are we struggling so much against Aberdeen at the moment? Good question, Ross. Um, I, I, I think it's a, a combination of things. You know, on a superficial level, I think Aberdeen clearly only played four times a season. Um, or certainly, you know, if, if, they, if they're drawn against us in the Cubs, it may, it may be slightly more than four. Um, although, having said that, it looks as though um, we might only be playing them three times this season if current form um, continues to split. So, um, I genuinely don't know, Ross. I think um, this has been going on for, for a number of seasons now. I mean, Stephen Gerrard's team seem to um, find it difficult to play against Aberdeen. So, I think it's... Essentially, I think it's their cup final. Um, I think they employ uh, spoiling tactics. I think Lewis Ferguson's performance yesterday typifies that. Um, and I think it's just a case that the Rangers don't, for some reason, seem to raise their game against Aberdeen. Um, I, I really don't know how you, you'd put your finger on it. Uh, I thought the, the performance yesterday, as I dare say, will come on here uh, in due course. With lackluster, it was some of the play was turgid. Um, it was very, very one paced. Uh, and when a player, sorry, when a team are, are trying to get in your face and trying to, to, to negate your uh, decent play, you know, it, it can end up, um, you can get caught up and, and, and essentially fall to their level for one of a better phrase. Um, I also don't think we've got players necessarily on forum. Um, and Glenn Kamara is he's struggling for form. I know we mentioned Glenn off here before before we came on. He's clearly struggling for form. Ryan Jack came back after after a, uh, a layoff there. Um, obviously trying to load balance him. Um, there may be other and um, other factors involved there. Um, and you know the, the playing off of Alfie. Yesterday just didn't seem to just didn't seem to work. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I came away from the game yesterday um, quite frustrated with how Ryan uh, Kent's been deployed. Um, I don't think we're getting the best out of Ryan Kent. Um, I think it's where he's asked to play in a touch. I think it's a bit too rigid. Um, and uh, I just think that there's there's a lull. 
I don't know. It's, it's a strange one. I can't put my finger on us, to be honest with you. I know what we mentioned there before we came on that you know, there's, there's a kind of Jekyll and Hyde aspect to Rangers play at the minute. You know, they've, they've been very, very proficient in Europe and how they, they dealt with the two games against Dortmund. And yet they seem to struggle to lift their game against the likes of St. Johnson and Murrow. And again, it happened again yesterday. And I, whether they're taking teams lightly, whether they're trying to conserve energy, uh, ahead of big European games, I don't know. But it, whatever, whatever's happening, the bread and butter's a league. And I'd like to see a bit more of a convincing performance um, with regards to, to league games. I guess, Alec, the, the, the problem for, from my view of it this morning is that we're, we're, we weren't creating enough chances and, and we could probably say the same of the St Johnston game midweek. Um, there's a comment here from Greg, 75 minutes until we had the first shot on target, which I think was a fairly weak Ryan Jack attempt from outside the box that, that rolled into the keeper's arms. Um, as someone else says here, we, we still have the, uh, on paper, I would agree, the strongest squad in, in the league. Um, so so what do you put this down to, this kind of general malaise at, at this point that we're not creating enough chances? Like David says, some key players, Ryan Kent and, and Glenn Kamara, don't seem to be informed. I think Glenn Kamara hasn't been informed, in my opinion, since the new manager came in. Um, and and there's, there does feel, given that we've, we've won our last two games, um, but there is definitely a, a, a malaise at the moment, a, a lull. Uh, it all feels a little bit low and a little bit flat. Um, David says we can't put our fingers on it. What, what do you think? I um I'm, I'm struggling to put my finger on. It. I can I can offer my usual kind of half-assed theories. You know what I mean? I I feel as if particularly you, you look at the two games against Borussia Dortmund, which were some of the I mean maybe the two best performances. Certainly the away game, arguably one of the best performances I've ever seen from Rangers, if not the best performance I've ever seen from any Rangers team. Um, the amount of energy required for that kind of performance and the the, the return leg at Ibrox, that's bound to have an effect. Um. And you would then look at if we're going to manage this situation, we're playing in Europe and challenging for the league title. It would be lovely to think, and this is the, this is the feeling I came away with yesterday, was that we were pacing ourselves. Um, I, I didn't feel like that on Wednesday night. And Wednesday night was I was you remember that Timuri Kitzbaya for Newcastle celebration when he's what he put the fit through he put the fit through the advertising hoarding when he scored because he was so frustrated with what had gone on before. Um, I felt a bit like that in, in, in Wednesday night. It was one of the games the final whistle went and it was there was barely even relief that we'd go to three points. We're just kind of exasperated. And yet yesterday, I felt as if yesterday I was I was watching that game yesterday, and I was panicking like everybody else. When it ran about the 20, 25 minute mark, when it looked like we're just not doing this, we're just not up for it. Um, they're not going to blow them away, you know, four or five, nothing like you're, you're always hoping. Um, and then I felt as if maybe it was just me, but I felt as if Rangers had kind of adapted to that as well. There was one moment where the ball came forward, the, the goalkeeper punted it up the park, and Golson misjudges uh, the, the header with the fella, is it Ramirez or the kind of Spanish uh, named fella uh, that they've got uh, up front? And the ball goes in behind him. Calvin Bassey tidies it up brilliantly. Calvin Bassey had a great game, I thought. But for just that wee second, I thought, oh, they're in here. And I let out a wee, Jesus Christ. You know, and that's one of the first times. When I'm at the games, I don't say anything against Rangers at all. I'm, I go too much the, the other way. I don't give them any kind of barracking at all. And that was the one time I actually let out something, a bit of tension. But I think after that, I felt as if Rangers actually looked like they adapted to the situation. It was like last Sunday against Motherwell was a kind of get-rich-quick scheme. It was like we're 2-0 up, you know, perfect time, you know, goals right in the middle of the first half. And then we just kind of, you know, we're out buying the Porsches and the fancy houses and all that and everything's going to be great. And then the city just fell to pieces. 
second half, whereas I felt as if yesterday it was more like a kind of work 95, put away your money in a low interest account, you know, and, you know, get to retire comfortably, if no flashily, you know, and, and we did that. We got away with the three points at, at the end. I'm maybe just seeing what I want to see. I said this in the immediate post-reaction reaction pod yesterday. I felt as if the season is now getting into single digits, you know, in the amount of games that are left. The, the two most common phases we're here in the last 24 hours is business end of the season, and that was a grind. And that's, I just want to believe, we've, we've just got two back-to-back wins in the league for the first time in a month. We've got one of them involved in a away win and a home win for the first time since December. You know, and if we're going to go on, you know, two to three fronts, if you want to include the Scottish Cup as well, uh, as Europe in the league, you're going to have to pace yourself. You're going to have to do enough. I feel as if yesterday Rangers kind of matured halfway through the first half and just said, right, this is going to be a grind, but we'll make sure it's a grind that goes our way. And it's one of these games that benefits um, from watching like the actual highlights package on sports scene rather than the, than the whole 95 minutes we watched yesterday. You actually see Rangers up in the ante and keeping going. And it's like a slow turn of the screw. And you're right, Glenn Kamara is not the same player he was. But yet, he's doing Joe Aribo things, Glenn Kamara yesterday, and setting up Aberdeen, hit their own post in the first half. And then in the second, it's him taking on two Aberdeen players kind of in the inside left channel. That, that, that puts the ball over for Taft to come in. I mean, the, the goal, we just, you watch the goal, it was like a slow turning of the screw. We just keep going at them, we're strangling them slowly. And, you know, we'll talk about Gio substituting uh, Alfie uh, for Ruth. That was a massive moment for him. And I felt as if yesterday, I get, I, I'm going to keep saying this, I'm probably just seeing what I want to see. I'm probably getting, uh, just, I, I've been, I've enough we being, had enough of being pessimistic, so I'm going to be optimistic. But I felt as if half time at Parkhead, Gio, took over the team properly. He stopped, you know, letting them have their own head because they were unbeaten champions from the season before, right? It's gone too far. The slip-ups after Christmas, my team now, three subs, you're going to do it my way. And then I felt as if yesterday he was kind of telling the crowd as well, you know, because it was going off in the stands. It was, there was Rammies, you know, after on that substitution. And that's a big, the fact that it worked within three minutes of him making that substitution. And Ruth was a poor substitute when he came on last week, last Sunday, you know, and there's no one thing that you can put your finger on with you. There's weird things happening all the time. We didn't expect to see Borna Barisic again after Parkhead. He's part of the reason we won in Dortmund. You know, he's, it's, I really don't have an answer as to what's happening. But we're winning. <laughs> we won the last two games. It's getting to that. And if we win our next eight games 1-0, we'll win the league. It's a huge if. Yeah. Uh, but winning them all 1-0 is no, it's, it's no big deal. I just feel I, I felt more encouraged than than uh, dismayed yesterday. I, I must admit, you know. But I get I get why you know David and, and other people weren't. Colin was the same. I was talking to Colin yesterday. He's like, no, we, we're not going to be able to win, you know, at Parkhead or you know whatever we've got to win in the in the after the, the cut off uh, to win the title. But I just I, I would like to see it more as a, a week and another week turning point, you know. Right. Um, David, Alex there mentioned the the Morelos substitution. Um, there's been a couple of comments in the chat here that we're and I, I very much agree that we're back to over-relying on Morelos to provide that spark and pro- if not provide the goal, then probably provide the hold-up play that leads to the goal. Um, and when Morelos was subbed off yesterday and Kamal Roof was, was brought on, um, it was certainly very audible and noticeable from my Rangers TV point of view that there was a lot of very vocal booing of that decision. Probably, I, I suspect, more that we're bringing Morelos off as opposed to putting Roof on. Um, but as Alex says, it's a substitution that paid dividends very, very quickly. Um 
what do you what do you make of that situation the substitution itself but also the reaction that it got from the crowd do you understand why why people were frustrated uh that's a, a, a tough one Ross. um let me caveat what, what i'm about to say by saying that if something were to happen to Alfred Morelis in terms of an injury or an enforced absence, whether that be um, COVID or a suspension. Um, Anti James Tavernier, I think we can kiss Tata to win in the title. I think it's that stark and I think it's, our need is that acute. Uh, where I'm sat in the ground, I sat uh, close to the Govan corner with the Coleman. Um, and the vast majority around about me was. The boos were ringing out around me, but from where I could tell, I thought most of the, most of the boos were coming from the corner. I don't know where Alex sits, and, but he he felt it was elsewhere in the, in the ground. But I thought the vast majority was, was mass end of the ground. Um, I can understand the frustration, yes, um, from the point of view that I feel that Morelis is is a best striker, arguably a best player, um, probably a best goal threat. Uh, Kamal Roof coming on um, has struggled for fitness lately uh, fans are legitimately pointing the finger at him in terms of his you know, these kind of injury plagued question marks that hung over his, his head during his career are starting to, to surface quite readily amongst the range of support however in Kamal's favour we're talking about a guy that his, his goals to games ratio for Rangers is exceptional um, and that's something that, that needs to be borne in mind, I would say. Um, however, he, he's not played particularly well of late. Um, his performance at Parkhead was, was uninspiring. Um, although, in his defence, again, I mean, I'm going to jump about here. Um, how he's deployed by uh, Van Bronckhorst may not necessarily suit Kamara. However, um, having said all that, the name of the game is put the ball in it. And Kamar came up trumps. So the manager will feel vindicated. Um, is that enough to dissuade you know, random fans in the stands from, from making their feelings known? I'm not so sure because as we touched upon just off here before we come on, um, I get the distinct feeling that the jury's still out in the manager. Um, I don't think that uh, enough, does it, does it, I don't think that the body politic of the Rangers support are necessarily convinced by uh, the manager. Um, without turning it on to, on to Gio, I think that's on the fear, as I again mentioned to you, was uh, you know, until, until Gio brings in his own players, we can't really truly judge the guy. So, um, yeah, we, we come on roof to get back to the question in hand. Uh, I think the team can be more potent with the Alfie and Kamara on the side together. Uh, I think the interchangeability of the front three um, could potentially be better than than, than it is. Uh, fashion Sakano will we'll come out of fashion later on the show, but you know, I still don't know where, where Fashion Sakala's position is in the team. Uh, I don't know whether he's, he's a, a round peg in a, a square hole, if that makes sense, or a square peg in a round hole. Ah, yeah, I think I'd I'd like to think that Kamar Roof can start coming to a better form, can can maintain a better fitness, so he can offer an option. You know, whether that's off the bench or whether it is, you know, it's a different aspect to the to Rangers play. 
um, from you know if, if you start a match where we're not too over reliant on Morelis. I, I thought yesterday yet again. Um, I know I'm kind of digressing slightly. I, I sometimes I watch Rangers lately, and I think to myself, they're so over reliant James Tavernier to drive the team forward. It is untrue, in my opinion. And uh, you know, certain players are of their form has tailed off slightly, and some guys it's just not happening for them. Uh, but I'd like to think that some of the other players can t- can step up and take some of the load off of Alfie and, and James. So yeah, I hope hope Kamar can come out again, maintain his fitness, start uh, notching a few important goals as he's done up to now in his Rangers career, and, and that can carry us to do the way to be. Yeah, well, let's let's kind of tug at that a bit more and and look, Alex, at, at Fashion Sakala in particular. It was a relatively rare start for him yesterday, um, and a player that's probably um, certainly got us all on side as as a Rangers player, and and that we want. I think universally we want to see him do well. Um, I'm just looking at his, his stats here. He's got seven goals for the season. Um, he will obviously, I think, be aiming for, for double figures by the time the campaign's up, but he's not getting a huge amount of game time and certainly not getting consistent game time. Um, probably playing off the off the flank more than he would like if he wants to be a, a, an out-and-out striker. Um, I think, for, for, for my opinion, it was, it was clear from day one that he's not coming in to replace Morelos or be our most potent attacking threat. But would you say, uh, you know, getting this far to the words the business end of, of, of his first season with Rangers, has he done enough? Has he brought enough? Uh, has he contributed enough um, to kind of convince you that he has a, a, a long-term future as a Rangers player? Yes, I, I think, um, I, I don't know about long, long term, but uh, it's certainly worth, you know, sticking with, I would say. Um, I think he's he averages about seven. Sorry, he averages about a goal every three games. I think for club and country. And I was I just I checked his record for uh, Zambia, and I think it's something like six, 17, 18 games. He's got six goals, and one of them's a hat. You know, that's involving a hat trick. And it's a bit like his form for Rangers. You know, the the hat trick against Motherwell kind of skews his stats. The hat trick he scored at Fort Park this season, but it also you know it's kind of what he deserves. I think the question with Sakala is his, uh, the execution that his final ball or his, his, his shots on goal. Um, like yesterday, again, he's one of the guys who probably doesn't benefit from just watching the highlights of that game because I, I didn't realise how many chances he'd actually blasted over the bar or whatever. I knew, I remember the one in the first half where Kent plays it over from the left and he tried to take it, you know, he'd time to bring it down, I felt. You know, but he tries to take it first time volley, you know, for a total world in the top corner. And that's the kind of time in the game when you maybe want to get be getting a goal early door, make it a different kind of game. You want to take your time and try and try and slot that away. But you also look at how many chances he did have. He's in the right place so often. And he certainly doesn't let the fact that he's not getting a goal put him off. You know, he keeps I know it's an old that's an old man kind of thing to say, you know, he keeps going back for more. But that is it's, it's amazingly vital. Um, particularly when he's so pacey. It's, it's vital that he keeps giving teams problems so we can maintain enough of a shape and enough of pressure that we did yesterday. Aberdeen had zero attempts on our goal uh, yesterday. We almost had zero attempts in theirs, but we were always threatening to get it. It was just about the, the kind of final execution. And that, David's absolutely right. Um, Ruth and, and it's, a, it's been a thing for me all season. Ruth and Morelis don't work as a combo, which you would think, you know, the, the, the two of them can be world class at times. So you think the two of them together would be would be twice the threat, but they're, they're not. They seem to kind of cancel each other out at times, whereas Sakala and Morelis, I think, combine really well. 
my just what I was thinking yesterday was when, when, when Morelos come off was well, we're not scoring a goal and we've got plenty of pressure. So the striker should be paying the price for that. You know, and I think it's also a, it's also a bit of a shame for Morelos because particularly you remember his performance on Wednesday night up at Perth. Alfredo Morelos was laying his, his, his layoffs and what have you, but absolutely world class. But he did he needed Alfredo Morelos to be up front with him and to put him away. I think he needed he needed another Alfie to be converting the chances, and he almost did it himself. He, the, the shot he had off the the post, he'd laid it off to Arfield and got it back. Um, and he's had a bit of that going on with with Sakala. You know, if Sakala's played with him the few times he has played with him, he's come on as a sub maybe, and Alfie seems to get on really well with Sakala, and that's something we could ex- explore. But is Alfie going to be here next season? I don't know. And if he's not, as it as it, it looks like he probably won't. Um, Sakala, I think, is a guy we're going to need. I mean, maybe we get to see him. You know, if he's getting regular starts, he can sharpen himself up. He's going to be twenty five, I think, a little week tomorrow. So he's at that point in his career where he's no longer. You know, he's he's got to start doing it. You know. He's got to start performing to the best of his ability. He's got to start getting better numbers. But when you consider how few starts he's had and all that, um, or the number of starts he's getting, and he's been played wide left, wide right, through the middle. So we, we kind of get the best out of him for not giving a settled position. But at the same time, he's done well in all those. I think he's done well enough in all those positions to show that he's he's a, a guy we need we need to uh, to stick with. He's only played was it Ostend in Belgium? I think that was the first time he's really played at a level. Yeah. You know, he's been there for he was there for a few seasons, but before that, it was kind of Zambian football and second division, uh, second team football. He was, he was a, a, a fringe player, almost yeah. unused at Spartak Moscow. So, um, I, I think he's got a lot to prove, and I think his attitude, the, the smiley stuff, and all that, don't don't be fooled. He's hard as nails, you know, he's not going to stop. That the chance he had yesterday where he, he, he tries to nod it in at the back post and he basically polaxes himself onto the track, I, I think yeah. that kind of summed him up. You know, he'll, he'll give you it. He'll give you his all, and he's uh, he's all as as worth having. I think he's a player we, we need to hang on to. Yeah, I, I actually I really appreciate you making that point that he is putting himself on the line. Um, whether it's that 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 header where he did um, it took a it took a tumble, or it was a game two or three weeks ago. Was he come off with he'd lost a tooth or he had a really blooded mouth? Because right, um, right. he does he, he does I hate the, the expression, but he puts himself about. He gets involved. And he's, he doesn't he doesn't shirk away from things. So. Um, for me, the jury's still out. I think on not necessarily levels of endeavour, but levels of. of... I, I can't. I can't really picture him. I can't picture him being fair as, as the main man. You know, yeah. like he's not going. To, I yeah. don't think he's going to replace Alfredo Morelos. You know, yeah, um, precisely. Nothing, but he's definitely a guy. You know, a guy you'd want to have in your your, your first fourteen, if you like, yeah. as opposed to your first eleven. You know. Yeah, spot on. Um, David, uh, let's turn to look at some of the specific incidents of of, of the game yesterday, and uh, as always. Um, it feels that we have certain corners of our media trying to, to dredge up some form of controversy around Rangers winning a game of football. Um, Jim Goodwin has come out and said that our goal should not have stood, that there was a foul in the build-up. I think Calvin Bassey uh, alleged to have, um, have fouled the Aberdeen defender in the box in the kind of phase of play before the ball comes back in for the goal. Um, lots and lots of uh, sort of debate and discussion around did Joe Aribo handball as well as, as the ball kind of bumbles through in, in, into the path of Kamar Roof. Um, now, in my opinion, it was never a handball. Even if it touched his hand, his, his hand was was down by his side and uh, it was a natural, it wasn't kind of extending his silhouette, I think is, is how they, they phrase it now. Um, and I think that if we were to give a foul for the Calvin Bassey thing, we'd, we'd give a penalty every time there was a throw-in or a corner. 
Um, but there does seem to be some talk around it. There does seem to be some sort of fanning of the flames. So w- what's your opinion on the legitimacy of the Rangers goal? It's a goal. It's a goal. It's as simple as that. Um, it's in the record books now. So, I mean, they can, the naysayers can debate it all they like. Um, well, let's take it in chronological order. The, the, the challenge by Bassey, um, I can't remember, it was on David Bates, I can't remember, or Declan Gallagher, I can't remember who it was. Um, if that's the middle of the park, is it a foul? Possibly. I've seen them giving. Put it this way, in Scottish football, I've seen plenty of challenges similar to that one, which have been let go. I've seen plenty of challenges far worse than that that have been let go. So I don't think Jim Goodman can have any complaints. Um, to my mind, I've seen the ball um, coming off Joe Aribo several times and uh, I feel that it came off his chest. Um, it may well have brushed his, you know, the sleeve and his, his shirt in the way uh, to, to come into contact with his body, but I don't, I don't see how you can give that as a handball. Um, and Kamar Roof wasn't offside, so it's, it's a goal. Um, you know, all the like you guys know, and the, the, the people listening, you know, we live in, in times where, you know, somebody with a Twitter account can can make noise uh, online, and all it takes is somebody to, to pick up my tweet and post it somewhere that's got a lot of traffic, and you know, it can be picked up by you know, journalists, and it can it can suddenly develop into a talking point. And you know, all it takes is is, is a manager a talking head, for want of a better expression, to, to pick up on it, and it becomes a talking point when it doesn't need to be a talking point. So, um, I know from uh, spending a bit of time online last night, sitting in the house watching the telly after the game, that, uh, that uh, our, our friends at Pacific Key um, made some players of actually highlighting the goal, and uh, all the, the people in the studio um, the possible exception of Jonathan Sullivan uh, were uh, of the consensus that it was a perfectly legitimate goal. So I think that speaks volumes. Uh, you know, a specific key Celtic supporters club kind of came out and conclusively proved that it wasn't a goal and shouldn't have stood. And it was, was an illegitimate goal. And then nobody will. So yeah. I think that says it all. Though. So it was a goal. We come away with three points. Depending on your point of view, I mean, you can be a glass half full to a guy like Alec, or you can be a glass half empty to a guy after the last couple of performances like me and see we maybe got a dodge, you know, slightly fortuitously. But uh, at the end of the day, three points is three points. And, and over the course of the season, you've got to grind out victories. And yeah. that's the old cliche, you know, teams that don't play well and still collect maximum points is usually the sign of a good team. So hopefully yeah. that, that comes to pass at the end of the the season we remain to be um, to be the champions for season twenty one twenty two. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I'll I'll stick with yourself, David, if I may. Um, mentioned earlier, Alec kind of dropped me in it and announced to the listeners that I'm uh, I was a wee bit worse for wear this morning after a, a heavy night, but. Like I say, I didn't I didn't see the game live yesterday. And uh last night I was scrolling through Twitter and I seen a lot of discussion about uh a potential red card for a challenge on Scott Arfield, um, right in front of the dugouts. Um and uh, I sort of I, I found a clip of it on Twitter, and in my, you know, I'd had one or two amarettos last night, let's say. Um, and in that state, I felt that it was one of the worst challenges I'd ever seen. <laughs> 
Um, I've looked at it again this morning, and it's um, it maybe not the worst challenge I've ever seen, but it's uh, it's a shocker, right? Um, it's it's an absolutely appalling challenge. Um, do you think that that could have on another day seen a red card? Definitely, definitely a red card challenge. And in the current how the how the game's refereed, uh, the laws of the game today, that's a red card challenge. Um, fortunately, Scott Arfield, such a a streetwise and wily campaigner that he managed to get, I, I dare say, he, he anticipated it coming and managed to get himself out of the road um, sufficiently where it was only, only going to cause minimal damage at all. So, but, you know, it, 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 you cannot lead with the studs in such an aggressive manner in today's game. But as we've spoke about for years now, Ross, you know, the, the, the standard of refereeing in Scottish football was a burden. Um, the fact that such a challenge is still being um, condoned by the fact that referees are not clamped down on it is, is ridiculous. But when you live in such a you know, a gold first bowl as Glasgow, where let's say, for instance, that, that John Beaton felt you know, that he wasn't going to bow to the, the outside pressure, and he, he wasn't going to send the guy off when, when the merit of the challenge. You know, he, he would have been castigated, he's been a homer. Um, you know, you know, John does his job for the 150th anniversary game and, and hands you know the, the points in a, a silver platter to Rangers. All the usual nonsense that, that, that we are subjected to in this part of the world. Um, but aye, the, the challenge, you know, it's a straight red card, and, and, and the fact that it wasn't just adds insult to injury. And but I'm surprised with the, the standard referee in this country. No. And until there's a, a wholesale um, change in attitudes and, you know, you know without digressing into any murky waters with regards to, to refs being in pockets and feeling under undue pressure to, to referee in such a way, you know, the game will never get any better in this country. And that will always hold us back. And, and for a country that, that purports to be progressive, you know, if, depending on how you, how you view your... Uh, you know, going about your daily life, um, you know, and when it comes to football, uh, we're you know, keeping up with you know the more progressive nations that, that, that seem to want to change things for the better. You're sadly lying, and um, it, it, I must confess, it, it exasperates me. Mm-hmm. Well, look, you have to feel that the, the the whole refereeing issue, and this isn't um, uh, this isn't going to sort of descend into me having a soapbox moment about about refereeing in Scotland, but it, it does feel to me that. This issue is is coming to a head. You know, we're we're all discussing VAR at the moment. It's it's very hot topic in the media, um, with every sort of hired mouth putting their their thoughts in, um, uh, whatever. You know, it's it's a debate that needs to be had, needs to be had sensibly with the right framework and the, and, and proper mature discussion. Um, it, it doesn't escape my kind of attention, and maybe maybe this is um, unwarranted, but I I, I certainly feel that. Do you remember earlier in the season at the Celtic AGM, their chairman called out that the refereeing has been poor. Um, I feel that since then, there have been a lot of decisions in 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 Celtic's favour. Personally, I've seen I've seen some stuff today about uh, you know clips of uh, a Celtic player. I think it might have been Ralston slips, sort of knocks the ball out of touch with his hand uh, out for a, a goal kick with his hand. And a corner is given to Celtic from which they score. 
um, or or Tom Rogic playing basketball with the thing and, and no fouls given. Look, you can you can kind of descend into this weird paranoid they're all against us type thing. We can then start having debates about the board should be calling this out and building bridges and dignified silence. And it's a really really sort of murky, almost impossible to win debate that that that, that we could have here, but. It feels to me like this whole issue of refereeing is coming to a head. We can talk about professionalism of referees. We can talk about referees declaring allegiances of who they grew up supporting. We can talk about referees going on strike and having to bring in geezers from Luxembourg again. Um, it's a really, really difficult, dangerous in a way, kind of sensitive, sensitive subject. So. That's what it is, though, Ross. We, we, don't, we don't want to get involved because we're decent people. You don't want to get involved because no, you're saying it's murky. And that's getting played on. I think it was just for, for for decades that's been getting played on. The fact that we don't want to get I'm I'm a I am your classic dignified silence is the way to go type person. You know, I think it comes a point where you know you can lose your own identity, you know, if you if you if you get too involved in the paranoia of others. But I'm I'm always quite open about this, it's a total dichotomy for me. How do you call out what Celtic are doing uh, without becoming like Celtic? You know what I mean? You don't want to you're you're relying on sportsmanship. I actually, I'm at a stage now where I'm quite delighted. I'm quite relieved when I see like Zatav on Wednesday night get away with one. You know, put the studs in Ali Crawford. You know, he could have he could have been off for that. Um, yesterday, Scott Arfield, before he's he's taken out viciously by the the Dutch fellow for Aberdeen, he is a right old quack at um, Ferguson, which I you know I almost I'm at a stage now where I'm like, oh thank God, right? It's not a conspiracy against us because I don't want life to be like that. You know, I don't want it. I don't want to be thinking. And it's not a conspiracy. It's as as you're quite rightly saying. We've been hearing this stuff for like twenty years, and if we, it, it's getting to the stage where you can't blame referees almost for thinking it's just no worth the hassle. And whenever it's trying to find a solution to it, because the idea of us behaving towards the SFA the way Celtic have, um, I find kind of I don't want me just to go down that route. But I'm, I'm my imagination can't even come up with anything else. It's just to pressure them, and it's, it's it's really sad, and it's it would almost kind of put you off the sport, and then you suddenly think, oh yeah, that's kind of what they want. You know what I mean? <laughs> they want us to they they want us to stop caring, you know, uh, so they can they can just get away with it. Um, and I think what we have to watch for, and one thing that's going to bring home exactly why we shouldn't be going on this friendly tour uh, to Australia, is what's going to happen now that we're going into the single figures of of games left. We're neck and neck in a league race with Celtic, and we're in Europe. The stuff's got the stuff that's going to come out, you know, yeah. over the next few months is 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 going to make it. It's not. We can get into this whole separate debates to be had about you know how we got on with the Celtic support and what have you, and and this, again start kind of friendly in general, you know, and they're all very valid uh, debates which I I, I I love having. But the thing for me here is it's the Celtic board, the way they've operated since Peter Law joined them like twenty years ago. Um, the very first, the very moment we've got back into bed with them, the first thing they've done is use that friendly to distract from mm-hmm. the class action news, you know. Yep. And that should, that should teach everybody at Rangers: look, you don't, you you need to learn your lesson here. <laughs> you know, they don't need us anymore. It's all about Europe now. If you can get the Champions League money, you know that's what it's about. And I feel as if uh, there's that phrase about you, you know, was it you look like a guy who's dropped a ten on and found a fiver? You know, well, we Celtic, we need to remember them shifting. The, the break and stopping us yeah. when we were in our run of playing them when we were on form and they were missing all sorts of players and playing Aberdeen. Look, just stopping the fixtures going ahead when they were supposed to go ahead. Yep. We're going to get £3 million for a friendly 
but they've cost us 30 to 40 million pounds for the, the Champions League money potentially uh, with that with that carry on. Um, so it's all linked, you know, the pressure is going to go on referees. They have, they have no shame, you know, uh, we're already seeing Tom English withdrawing his little statement. Unbelievable, right? You know, Unbelievable. It's, it's funny, David mentioned, you know, Pacific yeah. Key Celtic, Celtic Supporters Club earlier. And if anyone, if anyone has any doubt as to how accurate that is, look at what's happened with Tom English this week. Tom English, who's not known for his staunch Rangers support. <laughs> like, it's... it's it's simply unbelievable. Um, Ali, I'm sorry to, to cut you off, but we're getting so many comments here on, on, on really? the YouTube chat about, you know, still looking at Gio and his, his managerial style and, you know, comments like he's, he, maybe he's too soft. Uh, as David said earlier, does he need to have his, his own players in? Do we need to give him a couple more transfer windows? Um, and I think it's probably a debate that we could have before we even get into the tactical side of things. It's, it's debates we could have for, for hours on end. But Alec, just to give you kind of the last word on this, um, there has been a lot of chat about how, Gio has come in and blown the leads that Steven Gerrard had accrued before he moved to Villa. Um, and whilst in terms of points on the table, that is, I mean, it's, it's accurate, it's factual. Uh, I think I'm right in saying that his his points per game in the league is actually higher than I... than, than, than Gerrard's was. Um, we're st- we're now obviously we're, we're we're not winning. We're we're a few points behind. We're, our goal difference is worse off, and in my opinion, the style of play perhaps or the, the level of play um it's 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 low it's poor it's not enjoyable to watch certainly the last few games in the league have have been highly highly unenjoyable um but albeit as i say his, his points per game is higher than gerrard's was um and i think is higher than it has been for rangers for for any of gerrard's season uh gerrard's seasons at charge other than obviously last year when we won the title is it fair to say maybe that the negative style of football or or, or poor performances are almost making you know putting this malaise on things and maybe making things seem worse than they actually are, um, or is it actually valid to say no? He came in with a what a six point lead over Celtic and we're now three points and a and a, a lot of goals behind. Well, it was, I mean, if Gio's blowing any lead, it's his own lead. You know, he he's responsible for our worst run of the season in in the league, but also our best run of the season. Uh, I mean, Stephen Gerrard was doing well. I think it was, I think it was a lot of confusion caused by the fact that we're losing, you know, the first goal in so many games. I think we won most of them. <laughs> was, it, was it eight games, seven games in a row we conceded the first goal, um, and it was getting to be a thing. Yeah. But I think we I think we won the vast majority of those games. Did. Yeah. Um, but then Gio comes in. I think it was eight games in a row we scored the first goal, and uh, we're winning these games. And he's getting into the the, the winter break uh, with a six point lead. Um, yeah, that's been blown, but. I, I think he's he's had four draws and one defeat, Gio. And what has he got? Like I think he's got seventeen games in charge. And Gerard had three draws and one defeat and thirteen games in charge. You know, so I he will have a better uh, points per game uh, rate than than Gerard this season. And then I think if you want to throw in as a tiebreaker, Europe, um, he's well, we're struggling in Europe um, under Stevie G this season, which wasn't like him. I mean, I, I love Stevie G. I love what he did with Rangers. I know we're still a bit raw because of the, the way he left, but. Um, that, 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 that's football, that's the way it happens and um, a guy like that was going places because he was doing so well, so that, 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 that's fine, he needs to have a target to keep him doing well at Rangers and I think that's probably why we kind of lost it a bit uh, at the start of this season, there was a hangover from last year, he wasn't motivated, whatever but I think Gio you, you're spot on and uh, David's been saying that as well we need, to, we need to give the guy a summer you know, to get his own team in, but the problem he's got is he's arrived in a season where you know, the potential to go straight into the Champions League 
means that he's not getting any patience, you know. Um, but I think he's a completely different character to Gerard. I remember saying to Colin uh, when he first arrived, and Gio is such a bubbly character as a player, you know, and kind of quite, quite kind of a really boyish looks and what have you. And he hasn't, he's put on maybe about an ounce of weight since he actually stopped playing football, but his face just looks like it's lived, you know, he's been places, you know. And I think it, maybe it's the leather gloves and the scarf and the nice coat, but with Gerard used to print press conferences, he liked an argument, he wanted a bit of a rammy, but as I was saying to Colin, it, with Gio, it just looks like there's not going to be an argument. Just, you know, it's my way or your body's going to be found but 15 miles off the highway. You know, he's got a real quick kind of cold, um, kind of diffident. I actually find his press conferences quite boring. I used to love listening to Gerard. Gio's just, he's neither up nor down, which I think can actually be a much scarier thing. We don't know what team he's putting out. I think the players don't know what team he's going to be putting out either at times. We've seen him going without making any substitutions at Perth. Quite incredible. No, like, like there was three changes yesterday from the start and eleven at Perth, and you thought, no, actually it was three changes from the finishing eleven as well. You know, yesterday's game, and then yesterday he's taken off our favourite player, as if to say, you want subs, right? We'll, we'll get a sub. We win both games, one nothing. We are goal in the third minute, and it's agony after that. We are going the eighty-first minute. It was agony before that. I don't. I, I think the way I see it, and it's just a personal opinion, is. He was giving the players, we got the new manager bounce when he arrived. There's a guy who wanted to be there and Gerard probably didn't. Um, got, the, got the new manager bounce, the players loved it. We went on a great run. The, the winter break thing can't be, and I hate, I'm sorry to go on earlier about the Celtic thing, but it, it triggers me, you know, and, I, and it's the way going on. Like I start ranting, I don't ever want to sound like that, you know, it just, it, and it's, uh, you're kind of, you're in their court when you start going on like that, and I apologise for that, but I feel as if, He's come back from the winter break, and the post-winter break blues for Rangers is an institutional thing almost. It's not, it, it, this isn't something new to Geo. Um, and I feel as if he's, he's the draw at Aberdeen. Part of the reason I think we've slipped up with Aberdeen is, is the timing of when we've played them. We played them after Walter Smith had died, you know, and our club was in warning. Other clubs would have cancelled that game on the back of that. Walter Smith would never let that happen. And uh, so we went we played that game, and we're 2 nothing down before we knew what happened, and we come back. Um, difficult to play a game in those circumstances. And then we played Aberdeen at Pataudry, this was the first taste of the, the kind of post-winter blues, you know, that, that, that affected us twice under Gerrard. Um, and Gio's given them their place. He's thought, oh, well, it's just a slip-up. And then after Ross County, he's he's less convinced. And at halftime at Parkhead, he's thought, no, I've had enough. And I think our level of play after that, even the second half at Parkhead, I know they were knackered, but I think it really improved. Blew away, blew away hearts, did well against Hibs. And I think you can't, you can't underestimate the fact that two performances against Borussia Dortmund, this isn't a bonus or an add-on. This is what I'm, I follow Rangers for. It's for nights like that. That's that's a trophy, those games. you know, And that's something he's given us straight away. And if you can get that level of performance at the players, I don't think we can be surprised when they, they drop off. For me, all in all, if you add in the potential for being tired after games like that and thinking that Gio's only taken over at halftime at Parkhead, the only, time I've, the only game I've out and out had a problem with him was Motherwell last week, you know, because we've we've two nothing up and we should have we should have put it to bed. And he didn't diagnose the problem quick enough either. We could see Motherwell coming back into the game and he didn't do enough about it. Everything else, I might have been unhappy with the performance, but he's got the win. You know, we might not have got the win like at Tanadice, but we got a performance. You know, so I think for a man who's arrived at a brand new team in a massive, a massive pressurized situation, um Aye, the, the jury is the jury is still out, but I certainly don't think he's any worse than, than Stephen Gerrard was at the beginning of this season. And um, I, I think we should, I think we should stick. But we're going to stick by him anyway. But I think I'm, 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 I'm more encouraged than I was when he actually when he actually uh, joined us. You know, put it that way. You always know what to say to make me feel better. You really do. 
Um, David, we'll, we'll move on from, uh, I suppose, the game itself yesterday to look at the, the the wider context of that match in Rangers history. And it's it's clearly a, a very, very significant week for Rangers as, as we turned 150 years old and um, something that we've been... You know, kind of teasing throughout the the season with anniversary kits and 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 all sorts of stuff happening throughout the season, but but yesterday's game kind of marked the poignant moment, I guess, that that, that represented 150 years of, of of Rangers. What did you make of the celebrations themselves at the game? I mean, it's it's clearly very rare for all four stands to be involved in in that kind of tifo or or display. So, um, do you think that that kind of lived up to the billing as as a celebration of 150 years? Yeah, I thought the I thought the TIFO was was pretty good. Um, where I where I'm in the, in the ground, I, I couldn't see any of it. Ross, I was I was under the I think um, was it the players celebrating at Parkhead at the end of Doug um, Advocates first season. So I couldn't really see anything. I did a line photographs online afterwards, but no, I thought like, um, Union Bears and the, the Blue Order, whoever it is. The lads that organise these tifos, um, you know, they've, they've come up Trump's time and time again um, for the club. And yesterday was, was no different. Um, I thought the, the, the tifo was, was, uh, how, was how would I put it? I've seen them, I've seen them do particularly, or maybe more visually spectacular ones in terms of the kind of the metallic ticker tape type style, um, but I thought it was considered. I thought it, uh, it captured um, the journey that the club's been on over the 150 years that it's been in existence. And uh, I thought it was fun. Um, I thought the fans were, were, were in decent voice in the lead up to the game. Um, the early part of the game took the, the kind of the shine off of that slightly, if I'm being honest. Um, but no, no, I thought the I, th- I thought that the celebrations yesterday were good. Um, I don't know where the white cat ended up. I don't know yeah. what, the, what the story was with that. I, I'm not I'm going into that in too much detail, but that, that obviously will have worked quite a number of supporters that, 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 that put their hands in their pockets and, and bought not once that, you know, but probably several for their kids and their family and wore it to the game yesterday with anticipating that the, the guys would run out and wear it. But for whatever reason, you know, maybe the club can come out and and communicate to, to some of these people that have, have, have purchased that kit and explain the reasons why. But, mm-hmm. um, I, but all means, I, I didn't make it to the, to the fan village yesterday, Ross, but I, I heard it was quite good. I think it was, it was good for, from the family's um, entertainment perspective. And uh, maybe it was a the kind of festival food um, might give a pointer to, to certainly Eleanor for you know for best practice going forward as they, mm-hmm. they, they finish up their contract with us. And, I'm sure Compass will take take some of that stuff on board. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it wasn't overwhelming. Um, I wouldn't say it was underwhelming, but it was it was quite fun. But again, it's kind of all that stuff's a kind of distraction. You, you, yeah. you know all about what's on the pitch, the performance, the points, um, and the you know if I, if I could sum it up succinctly, the fact that we put that. Um, celebration on yesterday. However, you know, however you want to look at it, whether it's, it's mooted or the spectacular, however you, you choose to view it, the fact that we actually put it on and you're still here, that, that's going to stick the throat of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that gives me, um, I take great pleasure on that, uh, the fact that we are still here and you're still 
you know, we're anywhere. And, uh, you know, despite, you know, a recent form, I may suggest otherwise, we're still in this title fight and we're the champions and I'll take a, I'll take a hell of an effort for, for um, Angeball and his cohorts to, to wrestle away from it. I think that's that's such a good point, David, that it's, you know, it, it, it kind of gets easy to... Um, you know, just pat yourselves on the back and go, well done, we've done 150 years. There was a concerted effort amongst our contemporaries to end our history, to end our club. So it's not just about, oh, Rangers have been around for a long time. It's Rangers have survived a concerted effort to kill Rangers. Um, and that effort failed. You wouldn't know it. Right? You wouldn't know it by looking at our, again, say our contemporaries, the, the people that we share this league with that, that can't bring themselves to, say, the old firm that allegedly threaten journalists that, that use the words old firm in broadcast media. Um, yeah, they, yeah, they re-register trademarks. Yeah, they re-register trademarks. Um, so it's, I think that's a really sort of sophisticated point that it's not just about saying we're a really old club. It's that we're a really old club that survived an attempt to cease the club, the most successful club, the preeminent establishment club. Um, and we've we've come through that. And when I go to Ibrox today uh, and look around, it's the number of people that I see of a generation. I hate saying it, but it's a generation below mine now, right? It's it's kids, teenagers, fifteen to eighteen, who have grown up in a footballing sense in our darkest time, and yet still come. And you know the Union Bears. Do a clearly do a phenomenal job and orchestrated all of that stuff in stadium yesterday. They're they're kids, they're they're teenagers, they're young adults who did not have the pleasure of growing up and watching John Gregg and Colin Steen and Davy Cooper. They grew up watching Kyle Hutton and Ross Perry and Emerson Cribari. And yet they still do this. They still have that passion. They still put on these these displays. And we're in a time now, look, at, at, at this moment, this isolated moment, the board's coming in for a huge amount of criticism with the Australia friendly, um, with transfers that perhaps at the moment aren't, uh, aren't being seen in the best light, um, a media strategy or a communication strategy that's not winning as a lot of friends and support within our own fan base, let alone the wider community. Um, with things that seem to be basic mistakes, like the the white kit, whether it was forgotten to be registered or not, you're right, David. People have shelled out on that and not seen it played. You know, not seen a game with it, and it was supposed to be worn yesterday, and it wasn't. So people are going to be frustrated, and and that that frustration gets directed at the board. But for the fan base to kind of park all that, and put it to one side, and and still put on that kind of display, that kind of celebration. Um, I think is is really 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 admirable. I mean, Alec, I know that you're like myself, you sit in the main stand, so probably don't actually get involved in these kinds of displays too much because we're always looking at them in the Aye. in the sandy garden. So um, I, I, it's it's phenomenal, isn't it? I guess the question is: Is it right that these things are left to the union bears to to organise and, and and sort of self fundraise? And um, should the club be taking a more active role in this kind of thing, or, or how should it all work? What do you make of it? Well, given what they did yesterday, I'm quite happy if the Union Bears organised that. Uh, forevermore, it was absolutely beautiful. You know, although I have to, I have to um, register my complaint. I, there was no mural for the uh, tenant sixes. I thought that was disgraceful. A part of our history that I'm extremely proud of. Nothing, yeah. not even mentioned. So yeah, they might have so, a lot of themselves. I, and also, I think for the 160th, what we should be doing is, 
everybody should be getting like uh, an orange ponchos, brown ponchos, you know, yellow ponchos. Do the old seats the way they, they used to be before we got the seats all turned to, to blue the way, when we first built the stands, have the multicoloured seats. We should represent that maybe next time. I'm just angry because I never got a poncho in the main stand. We didn't get we didn't get the ponchos. So all I got to bring home was my wee white my wee white bit of uh, film paper, whatever it was. Um, it was brilliant. It was absolutely cool. It was a real tearjerker, and uh, I think they were magnificent. Uh, a magnificent effort. We think the size of a beautiful stadium. That they actually they got all those yeah. car, all yeah. the stuff out there, you know. And um, it was it was just lovely seeing them capturing all the moments in our history. Um, you're, you're looking you're looking round. I used to have my, my season ticket used to be in the Govan, in the Govan rear, um, and I used to love looking at the main stand. There's nothing more beautiful than just like especially European nights, you feel like that big main stand with the three tiers, just to put the club there, it's like it's going to fall on top of you, it's so beautiful. Um, but yesterday I was I was really happy that I was in the main, since I moved over to the main stand, I've kind of missed that, I missed looking at it, if you know what I mean. If you're in it, you can't see it, but yesterday seeing um, the, the other three stands, the way they were done up, it was just magnificent. And uh, I think a lot of craving images, a lot of idolatry, a lot of showiness, you know, so I think it was quite good the team then went out and reminded us all that we're Doer and Presbyterian and uh, you know, just just brought us all back down to earth with the style of the game. You know, so we so we remember we're it's quite Calvinist performance. You know, but no, it was it was absolutely gorgeous, and I'm so happy that uh, we we got a result for it. You know, it, it, to go along with it at the end, and uh, I it's a it's a it's a difficult thing. Um, the board should be involved in these things. I think just letting the, the union bears get on with it is, is is a good move because you want it to come from the fans. So if the fa- if if it's the board. You know, if it's the Rangers themselves that are organising it, it can get a bit stagey. It can get a bit corporate, you know, because they they want to do it in a certain way. But I thought that yesterday was just just the love of the club from the fans made manifest, and it was it was it was a lovely thing to be a part of. And I'm I'm, I'm so glad we we got the result in the end. I just hope we end up with a, a trophy or two to to go along with it. Yeah. No, absolutely right. Absolutely. Listen, gents, um, that kind of takes us right up to the, to the hour. And, and to be honest with you, I need a Barocca and a lie down. So I think it's about <laughs> time that we, um, we, we we wrap things up. I have to say that the, the, the chat, the comments tonight have been kind of absolutely nonstop. So I apologise that, that Frankie's not been here to, to keep a closer eye on that and, and, and get involved. But but thank you to everyone who's who's joined us tonight and got involved, Plus, giving us your they, thoughts. Are they all complaining that you said Amaret- Amaretto's instead of Amaretti? Because yeah, I, I, I would have been writing in for that, mate. That's out of order. No, it really is. No, but there has been some someone uh, CGM here talking about ten and sixes and and the memories that that's evoked. So that's you guys sort of sharing in your in your old age. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap things up there. So as I say, thank you to everyone who's who's joined us in on the on the on the stream tonight. And I, I apologise that I've not been able to kind of get to more of those. Um, uh, but but thank you so much for for giving us your time. And and as always, thank you to to David and Alex for giving up their Sunday evenings. As I say, the, the podcast is all of, always available first thing on a Monday morning for download wherever you get your podcast from. Please do just like and subscribe. Make sure you never miss a thing. The Jazznet podcast will be back on uh, Wednesday. We're going to come back with a preview show looking ahead to the Rangers' last 16 first leg tie against uh, Red Star Belgrade. You'll notice I said that in the English name as opposed to the Serbian because I've still got a few days to work out how to pronounce it. So please do join us on Wednesday evening if you'd like to see me try and butcher some Serbian. Um, Until then, thank you so much for joining us and have a great week. Bye for now.